Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Jason. As we enter the holiday season in 2020, common themes that always come up around this time of year, like giving thanks, expressing gratitude, and loving thy neighbor, seem to take on a different light. With all the challenging and divisive events that have happened and are continuing to happen this year, it can be particularly hard to take a positive, grateful, and loving perspective. But it is times like these when those perspectives are needed the most. When our country and world feel so divided, empathy, the ability to share and truly understand the feelings of others is more necessary than ever. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of Jubilee Media, a media company with over 5 million subscribers founded on the single idea to create a movement of empathy for human good. Since its start 10 years ago, Jubilee has created countless videos and short films exploring uncomfortable conversations between human beings, often from contrasting backgrounds, and the deep connections they make through sharing vulnerability. Please welcome to ABG, the founder and CEO of Jubilee Media, and my old boss, Jason Y. Lee. Welcome! Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm like... Usually not nervous, but I'm I'm actually very nervous to be on uh, ABG for some reason. Don't oh, be nervous no, no, at no. all. No, no, no need to be nervous at all. Yeah, that's because I'm a big <laughs> fan. That's why I'm Aww. a big. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours. Jason is a very big supporter. When we were starting out, I still remember conversations that we had. Uh, so it's it's been a long time coming to have you on our podcast. We're so happy for you to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really grateful to be here and I'm so proud of the journey that you have been on. Oh, I'm over here nervous because my old boss is in the room. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. It's like all the bad things we can say about each other. No. <laughs> Ooh, should we add these questions to the to this interview? Hello. We yeah. did not actually write down any questions to tap that no, area. No, we're both like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I was like, I thought those are private one-on-ones we have. <laughs> That's right. Everything all right, upward and downward feedback right now. Yeah. <laughs> we love to, um, you know, have our guests on and share about all of the wonderful things they've done in work, but. We always like to begin at the very beginning, which is the core of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can share with our listeners, Jason, just a bit about your background, uh, like where you grew up, what was your childhood like, uh, where did you go to school, what did you study, anything that you feel comfortable with introducing yourself with. Sure. Um, so again, my name is Jason Wiley. I am Korean American. I uh, was actually born in Seattle, Washington, but moved around quite a bit. And spent most of my childhood actually growing up in Kansas, mm. which is rare. Most times people are like, there are Korean people in Kansas. I'm like, yep, there was just the four of us. <laughs> um, but that was a really interesting kind of just experience in childhood growing up because I never really saw folks in my class or in my neighborhood that looked like me. Um, and that's why media and representation became like a huge thing for me. 
and to see others uh, who kind of reflected my experience was really, really important. Yeah, my, I mean, my, my background is pretty typical. I like grew up in a very white suburban neighborhood in Kansas, ended up going to Penn to study business at Wharton. And to be honest, like my life trajectory was just very much following the rules, hmm. like be a good son, get good grades, go to a good college, make a lot of money, get a good job, get married, have three kids, retire, and that is happiness. I was like, three? okay. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and my parents would be like, okay, you've done it, son. And only then will they say, I love you and I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that seems like a, that seems like a pretty, you know, typical path. So that was kind of my journey, um, which I kind of followed to a T actually. Um, I mean, I definitely relate to that. I always talk about how, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama, but she I always have. talks about these, the, the check boxes that she just had to check to make sure that she was able to be financially stable and support her family over time. And um, every time we do like college speaking events, I always bring that up and I always bring out how I just check the boxes that will, you know, get me good grades and uh, maybe two kids. I don't know about three, but, you know, <laughs> similar views in life. So after college, we, we know you worked at Bain, which is a well-known consulting firm, and that mm -hmm. was before you started Jubilee Media. What was your role at Bain and how long did you work there for? And what was the, the most important thing you learned from that job that helped you to take Jubilee Media to where it is today? Totally. I mean, I know it's similar to your experience because you worked at one of the big four. But for me, when I was in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But at the time, everyone wanted to be either a consultant or a iBanker. And going into all of my recruiting and stuff, honestly, I still didn't even know what that was. I just knew that that's what everyone else wanted to do. So it just kind of shows yep. like how much thought I had put into like my life or my career. Um, but I ended up at Bain, which is like an amazing consulting firm. And anyone who's not familiar with consulting, consulting firms are essentially just companies that help big businesses like make good strategic decisions or like solve problems. Um, and while I found that it wasn't my dream job, what I did love about it was it was a great place to be begin my career just because it had so many resources. It had so many uh, people that I respected and other individuals who ended up going and like starting other companies or becoming like kind of boss ladies or boss men of their own. And that was something I really appreciated. So I think that what I learned at Bain was what it meant to do a job if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. what that meant was showing up when you didn't want to and, you know, clocking 10 hours, 12 hours at times and saying, you know what, I hate this, but I'm going to do it. Um, and to be honest, even though it's not something I would ever want to go back to, I, I'm very grateful to the folks at Bain and, and that experience to have taught me how I want to live my life, how I wanted to do my work. And also they had an amazing culture. Um, and that was something I really took with me that said, okay, yeah. if I ever start a company, I want to have a culture that's similar to this. And, and how long did you work at Bain for? I was there for about three years, which, yeah, looking back now, it, it was, it feels, it felt like a long time in the moment, but now it was such a blip on the, on the radar, <laughs> I think. I mean, right after college, it's like yeah. going into another, like, college right four years three out of the four years so yeah, during when you're younger that does feel like a long period of time yeah. yeah and I can totally relate to everything that you're saying about sometimes you just had to go in and do the work but um, I think one thing that you take away from it is also consulting with so many different companies that you are able to build such a successful company yourself afterwards too yeah and you know firsthand what it's like to have a very secure job that other folks will respect and then give that up for something that Frankly, a lot of folks in those spaces don't even understand or recognize what you're talking about. Right? Yep. <sighs> yep. 
I'm like yeah. nodding my head off to everything <laughs> that you're saying right now. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners right now are also <laughs> like, yep, I'm doing the exact same thing as Jason mm-hmm. has done. I liked how your answer to the most important thing, or maybe you didn't specify it, but you really highlighted how the culture of Bain is something that you took away, which I think is refreshing because you know, a lot of people might focus on kind of the more tangible skills that they got. And that's a kind of an intangible, but Mm -hmm. it is a very Mm -hmm. important one. Were there specific aspects of the culture that really stood out to you? At Bain, and again, this was the first real place that I worked. So I don't know if it was different than other companies, but Bain continued to be voted like the number one place to work year after year. And I was like, okay, surely something is right here. And one thing that I noticed about them was there were all these values that they kind of stated over and over again and said, these are the core values of Bain. This is how you treat Bain. Bain is like, this is who we are and this is our DNA. And Mel will tell you that's something that I took to Jubilee, where I would say, these are the core values of Jubilee. And we had an acronym. We have an acronym that's not super sexy. Mm. Pager. Pager. And anytime <laughs> anyone would come into the company, I would say, hey, you're going to be in certain scenarios where you have to make a difficult decision and there's not going to be a right one or a wrong one. But the way that I want you to think about that decision is using this acronym pager. And it'd be like people, authenticity, growth, excellence, and redemption, redeeming. Mm. And um, I think that kind of like instilling of DNA and values was something that I learned. And I think what made Bain special is what makes Jubilee special now. You know, as a former employee of Jubilee, I could totally, you know, attest to that Jubilee's uh, culture is amazing. And I could see, I think you brought this up before to us, to the team, how, you know, your experience at Bain has definitely contributed to, you know, you as a CEO for Jubilee. Can you share with our listeners, you know, how did Jubilee begin? And, you know, what inspired you to create empathetic-centric content? Yeah, I mean, if you kind of hear my background, you're like, how did this guy end up in startup or in media? Because if you had told me that even as a 20-year-old, I would have said, that's crazy. No way. I'm going to be like in some corporate office, whatever, with three kids and, you know, happy. And I actually graduated college in 2009. So if you guys recall, and you guys kind of are similar age. So it was like right at the height of the recession. And it was this thing where everyone wanted to be a consultant. Everyone said, I want to be that because I want to be successful. But suddenly, as we were all graduating, all these successful jobs felt suddenly very insecure, we felt very kind of like tumultuous and like, oh, is my job even going to be there? And luckily, Bain was fine, but we had very little work to do. So we were like on the beach, what they call on the beach, which means essentially you're not assigned to a case. Or on the bench. On the bench, some people say, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And my first week at Bain, I didn't have any work, but my 22nd birthday happened to coincide with the Haiti earthquake, which was kind of like a crazy experience for me because I just remember waking up and being feeling very grateful and very blessed because I was like, I've got a new job. I live in New York City. I'm living my dream, quote unquote. And then that afternoon, we started seeing like all these terrible images of like disaster and families, you know, and cities destroyed. Um, So with all my time, I thought, you know what, I should probably do something about this. I feel like very privileged. So I went to Union Square, which is a subway stop in New York to go busk with my guitar and sing to raise money for Haiti which is a ridiculous idea because I'm actually a terrible singer. And when I say that, I'm actually a terrible singer. I'm not like one of those secret, like great karaoke singers, but I'm like actually terrible. Uh, but the people of New York were really kind and generous. And we raised about 80 bucks, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make $100 uh, because we called it my 100 for Haiti. So I um, mm-hmm. made my very first video and put it onto YouTube as my very first video. And I said, hey, let's name it. I don't want to put it under my channel. Let's name it something. I was like, oh, Jubilee kind of sounds like a cool name. And it had my initials in it. And I called it Jubilee Project. And within a week, we had 10,000 views. And we had raised thousands of dollars for Haiti. 
I said, oh, this is really cool. You know, it seems like we can use stories and media to actually inspire a generation of people to do good. And that was really with the inception of Jubilee Project, which eventually became Jubilee Media. And I think it just kind of like opened my eyes to a whole nother world of experiences and vocations that I never even thought about. Mm, wow. Yeah, that is an amazing story and such a 180 from what you were doing kind of as your vocation in New York City. And you were in New York City, right? Doing working consumer? I was in New York. And then I ended up doing Jubilee and Bain for several years, mm. actually, at the same time. Oh. Because that's a question I get a lot is people say, hey, Jason, how did you quit your job to start Jubilee? And I, what I always tell them is you don't have to quit yet. It's okay to be doing on the side and building what you want to do. And then when you feel comfortable, then make the leap because it makes it much less scary to jump off the cliff versus saying, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something different. I'm going to quit. I've got no money. I'm going to starve and die. No, And that's definitely a message that we echo um, because that's exactly how ABG started. We were, you know, working our full-time jobs and only two years into it, did we feel comfortable enough to make that leap? Um, How many years were you balancing the two? It was about two and a half years. Mm. Oh, wow. And then, um, Yeah. And then finally, we just kind of had the courage. And I was lucky, similar to y'all, to have my one of my best friends, Eric, and my older brother, Eddie, with me. So to kind of like hold someone else's hand and make the leap Mm -hmm. was actually a really comforting experience for me. I can definitely attest to that. We having each other, I think, was is critical to us, uh, you know, managing like not having a nervous breakdown. Exactly. That way, when your parents and your old boss and your mentor and everyone else is saying you're crazy, you can at least look to your left and right and say, we're not crazy, are we? Yeah. Maybe or we like, are, or like, we're look, in this together. Yes, there's two yeah. other crazy people with me, so I'm okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is a question that probably for, for anyone in the YouTube or content creation space is something that they're constantly thinking about, right? Um, how to, you know, ultimately drive views because that's how you create like a sustainable channel or sustainable brand. Um, but then to really speak to an audience in social media, you also have to be incredibly authentic. And... Mm. For you guys specifically, for uh, for Jubilee Media, because you focus on empathy, I feel like that authenticity is even more, you know, valuable and, and even more kind of held to a certain standard. So how do you balance being able to continue creating empathy-driven content while also being able to, you know, focus on getting views? No, it's a great question. And it's one that we think about and contemplate quite often. But I think you're right. The authenticity is a huge component of it, that especially in this day and age, everyone is so, we're exposed to so many characters and people and organizations that you can kind of sniff out when someone is inauthentic or putting on a show, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it kind of started with me and our team first. And we said, we need to be able to have really difficult conversations and disagree strongly. Otherwise, no one's going to listen to us when we're trying to have those kind of conversations outside of this room. So Mel will tell you, like, we named our dining table area middle ground. And every Mm. day at lunch, we would have honestly like one or two hour conversations about everything from Kanye to race to, um, you know, LGBTQ issues. To be honest, there were always disagreements, but there was always mutual respect Mm. where we said, you know, Janet, I know you're a Kanye fan. I don't really love Kanye, but I understand why you do. And we can still be friends and we can still love each other despite the fact that we disagree. And that's totally okay. Um, And that was something that we, I think, really focused on trying to practice ourselves because we saw that that was lacking so much 
in the space and the time, especially when Jubilee was really starting to, to grow in 2016, uh, past election. And especially now we feel now more than ever, we need empathy. Mm -hmm. So kind of recognizing that empathy does not mean that we are even agreeing with each other. Often it means we are not, but it does mean that we can understand someone else's experience or what they're thinking or what they're feeling mm -hmm. because we are all deeply human. As you're speaking of middle ground or lunch tables, like these like moments of, you know, conversations are popping up in my mind, like my memories. And I, I think one phrase I hear all the time during lunch is, you know, I disagree. I heard I disagree so many times during lunch. <laughs> and then we just kind of, and those conversations, they go on for three hours. But I think just even being present in those conversations, I feel like really exposed me, you know, just as a person to like, to be understanding and being very empathetic and kind of just like open my eyes to other issues that people are dealing with. So uh, I definitely think you guys practice what you preach, which brings me to another question is, you know, before when I joined Jubilee, I was really aware of like your, the company hits on, you know, like really raw and somewhat controversial topics. I mean, I see some of the shoots these directors are heading into, like how do how does the team, you know, handle these topics and shoots? Yeah, it's a really tough question. Again, one that we are constantly thinking about, but what we try to do first is say, okay, what is the point of empathy? How do we even define empathy? And we decided, okay, we have to come up with what we call like an empathy creed, which was like our definition of empathy and what that means we believe. And one thing that was part of the creed was we said, we believe that all people are deserving of and capable of empathy. Just as humans, we have to believe that. Um, and then we said, secondly, okay, who is it that we would be open to giving a platform to? We said, okay, if someone was like out here saying, I want to kill all people, would we allow them to talk on our platform? We said, actually, no, we wouldn't. So we said, it's very important to us, even though we want to have empathy for all individuals, that it has to be a safe space for people to come. Mm -hmm. So that's like, those are the two rules that we kind of said, okay, that's really, really important. But then there became issues like, you know, John, who's our creative director now, is really excited. And he said, hey, I really want to do an episode that talks up with flat earthers and I was going to say round earthers, but I guess flat <laughs> earthers and scientists. And initially, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't think I was very empathetic because I said, why would we talk to flat earthers? Like, isn't that quote unquote crazy or, you know? Mm -hmm. And I started to find that I was kind of pushing up even my definition of empathy, mm. where I was like, okay, empathy doesn't mean that I have to believe that the earth is flat. But empathy does mean that I, I am capable of, un, of understanding someone else's point of view or their perspective. Mm. And one of the important things that we try to do our best is within every episode, it's not like litigious. It's not like a debate as to let me tell you the five reasons that the earth is round versus flat. It's more trying to understand uh, people's anecdotal experiences and finding out why people have come to believe what they do. Mm -hmm. And if you actually listen to some of these stories, they're heartbreaking, right? Yeah. And some of these individuals, like we had a woman, Shelly, who's a flat earther, and she was talking about her husband, who was initially a kind of like a skeptic of sorts, and he actually, she actually lost him to cancer. And it was after she lost him that she started to kind of like investigate for herself and I think kind of wanted that connection to him and, mm -hmm. you know... How you might settle that kind of cerebrally, I'm not sure, but I, I, I start to understand that we are just a kind of like all deeply human, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what empathy looks like, I think, mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And then, Jason, I um, wanted to bring out, like, one of my favorite episodes Jubilee has done on Middle Ground is they brought in two opposing gang gangs together in one room to talk yes. about <laughs> gangs. And I'm just like, whoa, you have, I think it was the Blood versus Crips in one, literally one room. How do you handle yeah. shoots like that where, like, you know, do you hire security? Like, how do you even prepare these 
individuals to come and talk to each other. I mean, we have an amazing team. We have incredible directors and casting folks mm-hmm. who are talking to folks. And one thing we know is we won't invite anyone in unless they feel like there can be middle ground. Mm. So if someone is not willing, and that's something that's important to understand about empathy, I think, is that if you're like welcoming someone to the table, but they're just flipping the table over or trying to like shit on your table, like that is actually not a place sometimes that you can find empathy. But even if you and I strongly disagree and are not going to agree, but but have are willing to have the conversation, that's a really important thing. So we are very mindful still about like making sure that things, this is a safe space, not only for the cast, but for our crew mm-hmm. and for directors and and such. And it's not something that I take lightly because I do feel like we have a responsibility, obviously, to our team, but to, to the people who are in our sets and to the people listening, too, because we have a lot of young folks who are listening to our content. Mm. So I think it's it's pretty unique that you've put together this platform, Jubilee Media, but you kind of have to take yourself out of the equation. Like you are not the protagonist that you know is being represented on your channel. It is people and it's it's empathy. And I, I do think that these conversations are are necessary as it reflects you know the construct of America, and it's just not one sided or the other. Because I'm sure I don't speak for myself when I say that these past four years. Uh, a lot of people are shocked at how much of a bubble, you know, we do live in and how many people with differing opinions live, you know, outside of coastal cities and in the middle of America. And I think Jubilee Media does a really good job of showing that a lot of times to show us that we are in our own, own echo chambers and there are other people out there, you know. A question that I had for you, uh, I guess the next question here is that Jubilee Media has been on YouTube for a while now. How do you stay relevant with your content if the social landscape is always changing? You know, that was a question that I got a lot when I first started Jubilee Media, uh, end of 2016, early 2017, because people said, well, if these are all these issues are kind of resolved, then there will be no need, like then empathy will will have succeeded. Right. And we said, I said, that'd be great. I I really am excited about the day when it's kind of like a duh, embrace empathy. Um, Unfortunately, what we've seen, especially over this last like election year, is that if anything, we're seeing the climate get more and more divided, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. More and more combative. So I, I do think that in a lot of ways, there's more of a need for Jubilee and empathy than ever. And what we're trying to do is trying to find interesting ways to tackle it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to be like my mom or, you know, my auntie who's just like, be nice and be kind. Mm-hmm. And like, to some extent, like those things are true, but it just doesn't resonate. Because you're like, ah, I know I'm supposed to be, but like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to always talk about how do we tackle these topics in a way that is not only empathy driven, but also really savvy and smart, um, entertaining even, right? Sometimes we have to like almost like Trojan horse topics into the discussions so that people are here to figure out, you know, we have a show called On Men Out, like who is not Christian, for example, but deep down within it, the the premise is, hey, we all look very, very different, right? Um, we all, you might have an idea of what you think a Christian might look like, but the truth is that there's no way to look at any individual and believe that they're a Christian or not. Um, so how do we think about like interesting ways to come at this mission that we have to embrace empathy? Oof. 
That that is a difficult task to take on, Jason. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know if this is too heady. No, I this love is, it. Like the yeah, things that we we talk about. Yeah, no. I mean, I think this is um for anyone that's that's listening too. Yeah, this type of content, you're not you don't have a blueprint for what you're supposed to do. You're literally creating this from scratch, and it takes a lot of very difficult conversations. And even even for me, it's like whenever I talk to someone who has a differing opinion, it's like ooh, it's tense now. But you're putting yourself in the discomfort to make it comfortable, and I think that. That's incredibly commendable. Yeah, thank you. I think that one of the main reasons I wanted to be in this space was because I did grow up in Kansas.、Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in the Midwest, and after the 2016 election, so many folks who were around me in LA were so shocked. And honestly, I was a bit shocked too about kind of the results and what happened. But then I started to ask a lot of my friends from back home, and I started to realize, oh my God, there is an entire half of the country、um, who was voting. You know, I guess two halves of the country were voting completely differently and saw the world completely differently. And those individuals that we're talking to who voted for Trump、um, were not so dissimilar to us or to me. And I said, okay, actually, I do understand.、Um, I may not agree, but I do understand why you voted this way. Actually, the more I dig into it,、mm-hmm. and I think that that's the thing that we're missing is that I don't know, regardless of what we might individually think about Trump as an individual. I think that there are a lot of well-intentioned people who, even this past election, are voting for him because they really believe that it's in their best interest or in the best interest of America. Which, you know, sometimes for for myself as a minority or someone who,、um, you know, has certain views and social issues, might disagree with. It's like a humbling thought of, wow, okay, there's a lot of different perspectives here that I didn't even understand,、um, and I need to take the time to really. Think about why someone might vote this way, or why someone might feel this way,、um, because I think Dave Chappelle said it well. It's like I don't hate any individual, but I hate that feeling of yeah. hating,、yes. you know, and that discomfort and that difficulty that we're in. And I think that hopefully that's a place that we all come to,、uh, especially in light of this recent election.、For、sure, and that that is from SNL's monologue,、um, his monologue that he、yeah. did. Um, which was great, by the way, and I agree with that statement too. It's like learn to not hate on your neighbor, but just try to you know live your own life and and be able to try and try and understand other people's you know feelings and where they're coming from too. If you are getting bored with the same at-home workouts, or if you generally don't feel safe going back to the gym because of this pandemic, we got you covered. I've been getting my fitness on in the comforts of my own home with the Tempo, the first home fitness system that uses 3D sensors and machine learning to analyze your motion and provide real-time feedback. One of the features of this at-home fitness studio is that it has actual weights, including dumbbells and a lifting bar, with 115 pounds in total. As someone who doesn't shy away from weights, it feels really good to be able to incorporate weights back into my workout routine. Temple has a 42-inch HD touchscreen and it's freestanding, so you don't have to drill holes into your wall. And it's sleek enough to keep in the corner of your apartment or your house. This at-home fitness studio has studio-style classes, and with a Temple membership, you can stream over 500 live and on-demand classes for strength training, hit, cardio, mobility, and recovery, with new classes added each week. For about a dollar a day, the thirty-nine dollar monthly membership is sold separately and covers everyone in your household. Purchase Temple for zero dollars down and finance as low as fifty-five dollars a month for thirty-six months. Check them out at temple.fit and use code ABG for a hundred dollars off. That's T E M P O dot F I T and be sure to use promo code ABG to save a hundred dollars. 
tempo.fit, code ABG. Hi, ABGs and ABBs. It's Janet. As some of you know, I have used non-traditional resources to make career pivots in the past, which is why I'm a big fan of Skillshare, who is a sponsor of today's episode of Asian Boss Girl. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. They offer thousands of classes on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more. Whether you're looking to improve on technical skills or looking for a weekend hobby, they offer classes like Photoshop for iPad and iPhone photography, how to shoot and edit conceptual photos, which, as someone who loves contemporary art and collaging, is a class that I'm particularly interested in. Skillshare is also more affordable than pricey in-person classes and workshops with an annual subscription that's less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com ABG10, and the first 1,000 people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Again, the first 1,000 people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Head to Skillshare.com ABG10. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. So I know recently you and your business partners, you made the decision to transition from nonprofit to for-profit. Is that something that you're open to talking about? And what was the catalyst for making that decision? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so for folks who don't know, Jubilee Project, which is what I started in 2010 with Eddie and Eric, was a nonprofit. And then in 2017, I launched Jubilee Media, which is not a nonprofit. I haven't talked about this that often, but the truth is that there were two years around 2015 and 2016, which were really, really difficult for me. Hopefully this never happens to y'all, but you guys can probably relate. The reason was that over the course of Jubilee Project, actually both of my co-founders left. Ed, Eric, uh, who was um, a student at, at Harvard Med School, um, he's like the only Taiwanese son. His parents were like, please, 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 please go back to Harvard. Mm. Please just get your degree. And he's just such a good guy and he's like all right you know what i don't want to do this but i'm going to go back so i said okay i totally understand my brother eddie and i as we were doing the work we started to realize we had just very different viewpoints about how the future of the company should go and how we should even think about you know our role in the media landscape and we just kind of came to a decision of like hey you know and he also fell in love around that time to my wonderful sister-in-law they got married and he also left and suddenly I found myself to be the only one left running Jubilee Project, which on the outside, everyone kind of thought, oh, you guys are doing great. You just made your first documentary. But on the inside, I felt like I was the last man standing on a sinking ship and everyone had left me and that I was a failure. Honestly, that's how I felt. Mm. Um, so for about two years, I had to kind of like peel away everything that I thought was really important. Because so much of my identity was tied to Jubilee Project it was also tied to Eddie and tied to Eric. And I had to start thinking individually and say, 
who am I? Why am I here? And if I could choose for myself what it is I want to do. And I definitely hit a low and I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think I really went through a lot of depression almost during mm-hmm. that time. But once I finally hit, the, hit that point, I, I got to really like say, I don't really care about anything else. I don't care about subscribers. I don't care about um, YouTube fame, which was like a thing. You know, I don't care about even adoration of fans. What is it that I'm here to do? And I was like, OK, I actually really do believe in the side of empathy. Okay, if that's the case, how do I want to go about it? I said, well, my background is actually in business. I think maybe the more appropriate way that I would do this if I were to start from scratch would be actually to start a startup and raise capital and go about it that way. And so what I did was I said, okay, let me create something new, even though I had the same DNA called Jubilee Media, and I'll be the sole founder of that. And I'll raise capital and I'll start to hire new. And that's kind of how Jubilee Media was born in 2017. So that was kind of a long journey uh, for me and folks who are maybe watching from the outside didn't know all the individual steps, but it definitely was like a really important kind of pivotal moment that was even more important than when I quit my job, Mm -hmm. which is the one that people often ask me about. But it was really in that transition to finding myself and what Jubilee Media was going to be that I think um, has kind of led me to where I am today. Congrats on being able to shift um, and get out of those dark, deep places and and become a very successful uh, media company. And I think, I mean, it probably helped a lot also that you were consulting for so many different companies at Bain. You could basically just use those skills on your own company and reinvent it, right? (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely took a lot of time and work because I frankly was not ready to do that at first. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then suddenly I realized, wait a second. I don't think I'm fine. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I don't know if I'm happy. Mm. Um, and those are kind of scary thoughts to have. But I am very grateful that I went through that experience still at a relatively young age. Yeah. Um, because I now have friends who are, not to say that this is old, but who are in their 40s, let's say. And with, you know, teenage kids or young kids who are afraid to have that kind of discussion with themselves of like, wait a second, who do I really want to be? What is it that I really want to do? Yeah. Um, so anytime anyone comes to me with those questions, I say, you know what, sometimes you feel like there's like a little root that you need to pull out of your heart. You got to pluck it out. But the truth is it's like a oak tree that's like taking root. Mm. And you've got to like sometimes honor that, investigate what's there. Mm. That reminds me of, um, Jason, you refresh my memory. You, I actually really love the story you told because actually these are the, so Jason and I used to have a lot of one-on-one talks when I used to work at Jubilee and he always shared his stories and like his stories always like left me feeling like, okay, like pretty inspired. And you had another example about the watermelon seed, right? What was that watermelon? <laughs> yeah. You gave me this, you gave this example even when I left Jubilee too. You know, one of my mentors was telling me about watermelons and apparently like the world's largest watermelon was like 300 pounds. But if you go to Torrance or any of these watermelon farmers and you ask them like, how do you grow like a great watermelon? Um, they'll actually tell you that um, in order for a watermelon to grow and bear fruit, meaning like make more seeds, you actually need to take it out of the sun. You have to like deprive it of water and deprive it of fertilizer. And then only then will it actually start to bear a lot of fruit mm. and grow. So I think that's such a beautiful metaphor for us of sometimes when we feel like we are literally sinking and dying, um, what we don't recognize is we're actually growing a lot. And when we look retroactively at those times in our life, we see, oh, wow, that's what generates so much fruit. Mm. Um, So anytime, if you're listening to this and you feel like, man, I'm underwater and I am dying, not to say, hey, everything's going to be okay and don't worry about it. But um, sometimes there's some really good work that's being done and you've got to really honor that process. 
I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then there's more watermelon for all of us to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of our listeners do come to us in moments when they feel really, really lost. Uh, sometimes it's fresh out of school, so before they've committed to something, and sometimes it's during a career transition. I think if you can bring us back to some of those deep and deepest and darkest times, what do you think helped you get through? It's a great question, and both when I was leaving Bain and when I felt like we hit, I hit rock bottom with Jubilee Project, the biggest fear that I had was that other people would look at me and see me as a failure. Mm. What if I've let my parents down? What if people who, what if people think I'm foolish or stupid for what I did and now the world will see that I'm nothing, that my, my self-worth or my value is nothing because this thing that I'm trying to do is now worth nothing. Um, and when I stripped it all away, um, I'm a person of faith. For me, it was like kind of this faith and this belief in, in Jesus, but also in this belief that I exist for a reason and I'm, I'm deserving of love, I think was a really important thing mm. to say, you know what? I could be not successful in my career at all. I could even uh, lose my best friend, but I'm still deserving of love and I still kind of exist for a reason. And I think that that was like a very reassuring, it sounds so simple, but it was like a reassuring idea that kind of helped me not to operate from a place of fear and scarcity, but a place of love and abundance. Um, so whenever I start to get kind of nervous or feel anxious, it's usually because I'm scared of something. I'm scared. Uh, what if that company beats me? What if that person is more successful than me? Uh, my mom's talking about that other guy who makes more money than me. And I'm scared that I'm not enough. And then I start to remember what my truths are. And I think that kind of really um, gives me a lot of courage and it allows me to be a lot more generous. So to folks who are kind of on that journey, I think, first of all, know that it's normal. I think it's so normal for us to like doubt ourselves sometimes. And, you know, it's a scary time and a scary place sometimes. Um, but also to recognize your truths and know that you are loved. And I really believe when we operate out of love and not fear um, that really anything is possible and that ordinary people can do extraordinary things because you know y'all are boss women but the truth is like we're all individually so flawed and we've got so many problems and never really have our act together it's just because i think we're starting to see that truth within ourselves that we have the courage to start doing these things i love that uh you took because there's that saying that there's you know only two ways to go it's fear or love and you took it a step mm. further and said the first thing is to love yourself right to believe that you mm. are deserving of love so i think that's a great like tip for anyone out there who is going through a deep and dark time is starting with love for yourself and then once you feed yourself you can kind of come out of that and then you can find other love as well because yeah. that kind of mirrored my my love story as well with mel Aww. so Aww. with my mel <laughs> for the record he has a different mel yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i do have a different mel in my life yes who is my now wife yes. but when congratulations Chang, by the way yeah thank you recently married man recently. When, yeah yeah that's right which is crazy to get married in in quarantine and sure I'm sure, Helen, you're you're. Oh, going we're through going through it. Your... No, you 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 guys look <laughs> beautiful. Like it looks like yeah. such a good, yeah, very precious, amazing ceremony. So glad that you guys yeah. were able to Thank work you. that out. Yeah. So Jason, you shared with us the beginning of the journey of Jubilee Project, where it was you, and then you know with your friend and your brother, and then the transition from a nonprofit to a for-profit. So now we're at Jubilee Media, your for-profit company. You're a one-man show. Back started as a one-man show, went through became a three-man show, and then now back to a one-man. Who, after that point, 
was your first hire and what was their job and, and, and why did they why did you bring them on? You know, whenever I think about this, I actually get very like grateful and very emotional because it's always these first individuals that are literally the crazy ones. Because, you know, now people are like, oh, yeah, I want to work for Jubilee. But at the time, it, it meant nothing. Like Jubilee Media was nothing. It was just an idea. And it's actually our first couple that I always will remember. Um, we had a director named Amari who was really, really talented. He's just so charismatic. So he's got such an uh, interesting thing to say. One of our uh, editors, Taylor, who is just like a rock. And then uh, Ian, who was our creative director. Uh, who, if you ever meet him, he's just like, sometimes you're like, you just think that he might have been from Mars or from outer <laughs> space. And just in the way that he thinks. And what I love about those three individuals is that they all had this both craziness, but also this fundamental faith in what it is, not in me, but in what we were trying to build. Mm. At that time, <laughs> we were paying so little and we had no success. So there was no other reason to join us except for, for the mission, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because if I were to say, hey, I'm going to pay you nothing because I we've got no money. And also, um, you're going to work really hard for almost like no recognition because no one's watching our content. Only the crazy people stay, right? Anyone who's here for the wrong reasons, like, uh, peace, like, where's my 401k? Or uh, I want to be YouTube famous. Like, well, th that probably won't happen here. Mm. Um, so that's what I was really, really grateful for those folks. And, um, you know, some of the folks have left and have transitioned and others have stayed. But I think... Um, that's always been like a really cool part of our journey, even with Mel, is we've had such incredible people join the company. And when we send them off, we're, I'm really excited to see where they'll go. And I really do feel like the way that we'll further our mission as Jubilee is for Mel and for ABG, for example, to to blow up. So that's why I'm, I'm always rooting for y'all and for Mel. Aw, that means a lot. It definitely does. Yeah. So it was a core group then. It was you and then was it three of those guys that kind of came together that happened kind of month after month mm -hmm. but yeah those were like the first um within the first three months we have we had the four of us and then slowly one by one folks joined and you know what i've learned in my job is really it just starts with with people mm. um with choosing the right people which is such a difficult thing to do i i find it's just as hard if not harder sometimes than finding a partner which is mm. okay who is it that you kind of trust to do the work and who understands the vision and the mission. So for every new individual that we would hire on, we would actually have everyone else in the company interview and everyone had to say yes. So if anyone said no, we would actually not hire the person, which is kind of crazy. And we'd be like mm. really debating and be like, please Mel, say yes to, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really cool part of the experience. I think when everyone says yes to someone, you have buy-in from some everyone. Yeah. So everyone feels accountable for that person to succeed. Mm -hmm. So that was really important. And so how large is your team now? How many people are there and what are their kind of roles and focuses? Our team now full-time is just over, I think, 22 employees and including wow. part-time and interns. We're just about 30 people, oh, which is wow. insane. That's, that's a big team. Um, it is a big team. Um, you know, we've got our creative team and creative department, which is our directors and our editors. We've got our casting department. Um, we've got now, uh, you know, accounting and sales. It sounds very, it sounds very official when I say it, but trust me, it's just a bunch of us who are just trying to figure out. Um, but we have the best team, I think, and and I just love every every single person because. Not only are they brilliant at what they do, but they really care about mm -hmm. our, our mission of empathy. 
I think that's one thing I um, really love and miss about Jubilee is like the team, like the people. That's one of the hardest things for me as a past employee to walk away from because you bring so many different types of individuals into one company. There were so different there and everyone got along and really cared for one another, which I also brings me up to my next question was like, you know, I think the your hiring process is very interesting. Like I never, I remember after every interview, you'd be like, okay, send me your, like uh, we had a rubric, right? Do you mind sharing the rubric you had for like after <laughs> everyone would walk in and, and within the interview process? Sure. Yeah. Our rubric is, uh, we have four things that we ask everyone to score like on a one to 10 scale on. Um, so it's talent. It's, which is just how good are they at this job? Uh, airport score. So this was something we learned at Bain, which was how willing would you be to be stuck in like an airport in Cleveland with them for like seven hours over and over, <laughs> over right? Um, so it's just like that's more okay. of a culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jubilee, which is like how much are they, do they believe in the mission that we have? And the fourth one was actually grittiness, which was what I started to realize is like you need a certain level of grit and like I'm willing to do any job. When, you, when we're at our stage of our companies where we're so small and you're trying to figure it out, right? Willingness to like roll up your sleeves and like help someone else out. So those are the four. So we would ask everyone after every interview to like compile the scores and then we would get into a room and we would talk about every candidate and we wouldn't hire someone until every other individual said yes to them. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine we would, you know, if we had like four, Four people say yes and one person said no. It would just be like, usually it's Ian, right? <laughs> usually it's like, Ian, this person's <laughs> going to be it. Yeah. And he'd be like, I don't know. We can find someone better. And we would just have these intense conversations about people. And and now we're at a size where we don't have everyone interview anymore just because we've got too many people. But uh, the general structure is the same. Can you imagine having 30 people interview you for one company? <laughs> Oh my goodness, so that'd be so nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, it's so it's so just like nice to hear your whole story with Jubilee Media from the beginning to where it is now and growing to like a 30-person, that's insane. Like I'm thinking about that for ABG, I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah. whew, when we get there. It'll come sooner than you think. Yeah. <laughs> how, how big is your team now? I don't know. If I mean, we got like, six? We have two interns. Seven, eight. Some people do more than others, you know. We got some producers here. Yeah. About yeah. yeah. eight. You'll, you'll get to like, once you get to 10 or 15, it suddenly starts growing really quickly. Dude, uh, um, I could see that. So I, I can't wait. You guys, you guys are going to crash yeah. it. Actually, it doesn't seem too far away given our how much we have to handle soon. But yeah, no, this, this, is, this is great stuff. And we're probably going to come to you and ask you for that rubric again. Yeah. Before we <laughs> this podcast. Please. Please. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to chat anytime. I, I love this stuff. So Mel knows like, this is my... This is my jams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned earlier that one of the most challenging parts of leaving Bain was this fear of failing and the fear of not being enough. Um, once you were able to sort of overcome this feeling or, or at least not have it weigh you down so heavily, what other challenging experience did you face taking on the role as an entrepreneur? You know, there are a lot of different parts of being an entrepreneur that are difficult. Frankly, it's just because there's no training for it. Mm. There's no education for it. Um, for example, like raising capital for the first time, it's kind of an insane process because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I've got literally nothing in my hand. Just believe in what I'm saying and give me like half a million dollars or give me a million dollars. And I promise you that I'm gonna make this a hundred million dollars. And that journey was really, really informative and educational for me and taught me a lot about who I am as a person and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing and also 
who it is in the community that's going to support me. Mm. And one thing I was always really proud of was that, you know, our investors are amazing, but the majority of them came from actually the Asian American community. Mm. Um, because whenever I would go into those rooms, there wasn't a bias to say, oh, Jason's Asian American, I'm going to support them. But there was, um, I think often there's sometimes it's a lack of resources that we can find for the community. But now we're seeing all these other like-minded folks who have done it and say, you know what, I want to reinvest into the community. Mm-hmm. I really want to give other folks kind of an opportunity in the same way that I received. So that's something I I learned quite a bit. Um, The other experience that's always difficult is like just on the people front. Um, People is both the best part of the job, but also can be the hardest part of the job of how do you grow someone? How do you really make sure that they're growing, getting the feedback that they need? How do you, in the case that someone is not growing or not, let's say working hard or, or giving their best surfer, even let someone go. Mm. Um, and those are the things that, those are the things honestly I have nightmares about. Like I, my mail will tell you like, you know, I would have nightmares in the weeks or the months ahead of someone who is just struggling and struggling and struggling. And for me, it's really easy to let someone go if um, they're not trying hard. But if I see them trying really hard, Mm. then that's when it really is the hardest because you just know, man, this person's trying so hard, but I am somehow incapable or we're not positioning that individual well enough to succeed. And sometimes you just get to an impasse where you say, okay, maybe that person's not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. you know, and that is like a really tough decision to make sometimes. And um, whenever that happens, you know, actually with everyone, we're always trying to really honor people and send them off well, but um, those are the really difficult decisions that hopefully you guys will never have to make, but I'm, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'm sure you, I don't know if <laughs> you've had to fire folks and I don't know if no, public, we haven't but, yet. Uh, <laughs> we have, we've gotten very lucky with the people that are, are working with us which right now, amazing. which yeah. yeah, we're so, 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 so thankful for them. Um, and I'm sure one, one of those days will come. Um, but maybe we also follow your rubric of making sure everyone says yes and is invested to helping this person <laughs> doing the best yeah. we can. I'm sure it's still going to happen, That's but. Right. But this yeah. is this is all these are all really good like golden nuggets to take away for anyone who is just trying to start their own company and wanting to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. too. How has the pandemic, COVID, all of this affected your business? I mean, you guys are a media company, and um, I understand a lot of the work is done remotely, but you had an office, and a lot of your recordings were also done in person. Uh, and how are you making content during this time? I'll be honest, it's been really hard especially initially, because if you think about the work that we did as Jubilee or we do as Jubilee, we were really good at finding a space, bringing very, very different types of people together into an enclosed space to have conversations that would last an hour or two. And suddenly when COVID hit, it was like, no one is going to do that. No one's going to come and like talk with a stranger and risk getting COVID. And we're not going to allow that to happen either. So it was a really tough blow initially because we said, oh my God, we're so good at doing X, Y, and Z. And suddenly we can't do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. I think it was a really good kind of creative exercise for us because it, it kind of reminded me, you know what, whenever we bring on directors, we're not hiring you to be good at what we do as Jubilee. We're not really hiring you to like be good at bringing two individuals together just to have the conversation. Mm. We're hiring you because you're a great storyteller. We're hiring you because you're a great filmmaker, right? That was a really kind of therapeutic process to kind of remember why we hired people to say X, Y, and Z may not work anymore, but that that's okay. And we have to be willing to throw almost everything that people know about us away and still have the courage to kind of find what Jubilee is in this day and age. So I'm really happy to say that I think we really have turned the corner, but 
um, it was rough. It was rough, not just because of COVID, but when the Black Lives Matter movement was beginning, um, we were really having a lot of serious conversations about what is our role in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a platform, right? Um, and we didn't want to just give it lip service, but we have, you know, a team incredibly diverse. We have several black employees. So we, we shut the company down for a week and then we started having all these really, really hard conversations to say, what is it like? What does systemic racism look like? Am I racist? Are we as a company racists? Um, even though sometimes we may be ignorant to that and we were kind of like starting to shine a light on ourselves and say, oh, okay, we've got to do the work first. And then we'll kind of come out and try to facilitate some of the conversations now. So 2020 has rocked us mm. to the core. Mm. It certainly is not the year that we expected, mm. but I do think we're going to come out of 2020 um, much stronger. And I think with a much better foundation actually for, for the future. So I'm trying to think if I, if I would do anything differently, but I actually think that we're going to be far more successful and that Jubilee will um, be much healthier moving forward as a result of 2020. While the holidays may look a little different this year, the season of giving is in full swing. So listen close if you have a child, grandchild, niece, nephew, or little cousin on your holiday list. KiwiCo empowers kids to explore, create, and learn with hands-on kits delivered monthly. I recently sent my nephew and niece a doctor's visit kit, where Tyler and Riley assembled and decorated a medical kit, complete with thermometers, stethoscope, and felt bandages. They used the medical tool and doctor's checklist to check my mom's ears, throat, heart, and more. And I was watching through FaceTime. It was so, so, so cute. Like, you could tell that they were really enjoying the pretend play component of it. It's hard to find new, creative ways to keep the kids busy while stretching their brain, especially now. But KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid, or kid at heart, at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code ABG at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code ABG. Self-care routine is so, so important these days. And lately, I've been loving my get-ready routine with the one and only razor from Billy, B-I-L-L-I-E. They recreated everyday essentials by delivering premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. No pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, no breaking the bank. One of my favorite things about the razor is how smoothly it glides over all the nooks and crannies of my body. And I also love the magnetic holder that it comes with. It's a super small magnet that sticks right to your shower's wall, and it keeps the razor out of the tub and in a sanitary spot. It also opens up space in my shower for all my other shower products, which is nice. And if you go to mybilly.com, you can get their starter kit for just $9. That includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry in between uses. To express a little love for our show, go to mybilly.com slash abg. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor you'll ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit, plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash abg. Spelled mybilli dot com slash abg. All right, y'all, let's talk about hair. One size fits all is not a phrase that should describe your beauty routine or your hair care. Each of us is unique, and whether you have dry, frizzy hair, curly hair, colored hair, or all of the above, Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. 
All you need to do is take a quick quiz online and tell them about your hair goals. You can even choose a color and fragrance you prefer. Functional Beauty's team will determine the right blend of ingredients to meet your hair needs and have the custom formula delivered right to your door. They send it in a super cute bottle with a shampoo or conditioner or treatment in your favorite color. Mine is a green jade-like color and it smells amazing. Function of Beauty also uses only clean ingredients and all of their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com ABG to take your quiz and save 20% on your first hair care order. Go to functionofbeauty.com ABG to let them know you heard about it from our show and to get 20% off your hair care order. That's functionofbeauty.com ABG. Uh, so Jason, as, as someone working in the media space um, and as an entrepreneur and a CEO, how has your culture influenced the work that you do and how you do your work? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, even as I was talking kind of about the Black Lives Matter discussions, I think that was led largely in part by two of our values. One was people. How do we honor people? So the Black individuals within our company and like making sure that we understand what is happening um, in the climate and also historically has happened and also authenticity. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't really be a facilitator of the conversation if we're not having the conversation ourselves within our own homes, within our own company. Those are two of the values that I think really influenced not only the work we do externally, but the way that we kind of like ran a lot of our decision making and our, our, our operations uh, behind the scenes. You know, I think that one thing that was really tough for me and Mel will say this, I was always such a big proponent of us all being in the office together. Because that's kind of like where I think our secret sauce lied because there's all these different voices and people kind of talking and sharing ideas and opinions and suddenly we lost all that. So it really became a discussion about how do we maintain some of that culture. Mm. And I don't know if I would say our culture grew, but I will say that it was our culture that really helped us through a lot of this season uh, where people really feel like they have strong individual relationships with each other. Um, that when you're struggling, that there were a lot of individuals who are reaching out to each other personally uh, in light of COVID and race relations and the election. So I do think that um, that's been something that's really nice is when you're when the world feels like it's falling apart. The folks we spend so much time with our our, our coworkers that you're you enjoy and you respect and you trust the people that you're working with. Um, I think that was something that I'm really proud of for our culture. I'm curious about this question. I know we talked about this in our leadership meetings, but you know, obviously Jubilee Media is a media company, but do you guys have other favorite media companies that you guys look to? Um, you mean aside from Asian Boss Girl? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because when we talk about these people will say, oh, who is your competitor? And a lot of folks will, will mention companies like um, like BuzzFeed or um, Watch Cut mm. or folks like Bon Appetit. You know, and I think the reason why um, they'll talk a lot about these organizations is because we're not really like character led. We're not individuals. We're more of like a platform mm-hmm. or a, a publisher or a media company. Um, but really our aspiration, which is always scary to say because people are like, who dare they? Why would they say that they're this? But um, we always say that we want to be the the Disney for empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like our 20, 50, 100 year plan is what if we could operate at a size and a way that shapes culture like Disney, but for empathy. Mm. And that's kind of led a lot of uh, our strategic planning and what we hope to do. Um, 
So whenever, I'm sure Mel, I've talked to you about this, mm-hmm. but whenever folks are joining us, we say, oh yeah, we're not just trying to be like a 10 million subscriber YouTube channel, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And we'd be really grateful to have the subscribers. So make sure you subscribe. <laughs> but we're, we're trying to do something much larger if we can. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's our aim. We've got really big goals at Jubilee. Dude, Jubilee Media Amusement yeah. Park, um, <laughs> ride the emotions, you know, like all the- <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that'd be so much exactly. fun. One day, I do think that there was there is such a huge space for experiential, mm-hmm. um, and you know, theme park is a probably it won't be in the form of a theme park. Man, it's so hard to describe. Imagine like an experiential, almost like escape room. Yeah, yeah. it's less about like solving problems, but more about connecting with other people and individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we just desire like that kind of connection, but there's not a form to do it. That's not like wonky and weird, mm-hmm. you know, that's not like, oh, I don't know if yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, those plans are, are kind of put on ice for a couple of years, sure. I think, with COVID. Sure. Leverage mm-hmm. the VR and the AR. Who would you like to have a conversation with and how would they respond? You know, I feel like that yeah. would actually be a really good thing to have for people to just talk to people they normally would be scared to talk to. Even even just like that's like good HR training, right? For people to know what how that's to true. interact with others like not like them. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. man. Sorry, totally. this this conversation is literally jogging back all the meetings we had to have talking about like events. What can we do for all this stuff? And like uh this I remember <laughs> at a meeting, Jason shared the the Disney like there's like a blueprint map that we like we're looking at to like get ideas and, and get inspiration. Yeah. Well, the thing that I always, so Disney, I think it was in the, I don't know, this must have been almost a hundred years ago, but Disney drew initially uh, as you was like envisioning the company, um, like cartoons. And then it would go into like long form and then into music, into theme parks. And, and he kind of had this huge vision for what uh, Disney was going to be. And at the time it was pretty laughable because if you think about how they started, they started with these tiny cartoons that just would play in front of movies. Mm-hmm. So people just thought, oh, you are like a cartoon animator, essentially. And slowly they made Snow White, which was like their first feature film. And people were like, oh, wow, they're making films now. And then they you know, started selling the Mickey Mouse dolls. And they said, oh, you actually make merchandise and product now. And then they made Disneyland. They said, oh, you're actually. And then suddenly as you kind of zoom out, you say, oh, OK, there's like a much larger vision here at play. And for me, I think if Disney were alive today, then I think that digital is the right place to start, right? You start with something that's sh- short form, cheaper to create. Podcast is a great example of that. That is like our example of cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then what do we look like as we go into long form and to other mediums, which I'm sure are the discussions y'all are having too, or that I hope y'all are having because we want to see a, a Disney-sized you know, ABG one day as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, this is like fun to talk about. I feel like we could just keep going on, but we got to go. We gotta... Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm not sure if your listeners will enjoy it, but I'm enjoying it. I feel it. like this is like a strategy <laughs> meeting right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Jason, what is what is your favorite part of your job as CEO of Jubilee Media? And what is also your least favorite part of the job, other than what you mentioned earlier about letting people go? My favorite part of the job is just the people of it. Um, not only our team, but every day I get messages from people around the world who say, hey, I've seen your content and it's just inspired me in this way and that way. And honestly, that's what I do what I do. Um, you know, our vision is that we want to create a movement of empathy for human good. And it doesn't mean that you have to work at Jubilee. It means that we want the next generation to make the world a better place. And I hope that a couple of them will say Oh, yeah. One of the reasons was, aside from my parents and my education, all these other things was actually there was this company called Jubilee that made these amazing content and really taught me a lot about myself and about empathy. Uh, that would be my, my, my absolute dream. 
that's probably my favorite part of my job. As far as my least favorite part of my job, something about being an entrepreneur is that I never feel like I'm doing a good job, mm. if that makes any sense at all. And we may be succeeding tremendously, but I think inherently in the job, you're just constantly trying to climb a steeper and steeper, steeper part of the mountain. Mm -hmm. So at one point you might be like, wow, okay, I've really figured this out. But your job is not to just do that same part of the mountain. Suddenly now you're at a different part of the mountain. Very few people can tell you, oh, this is the way that you travel this part of the mountain. Like other people can say, oh, here are some techniques that you can learn and should try to use. But, um, you know, it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And actually, that's probably something I love the most about my job. But it's also something that I think can feel difficult is sometimes when you just feel like, man, am I just a shitty boss? Like, am I just really bad at, you know, um, at doing this thing? And it's something that I, I think about a lot and wanting to continue to grow on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see how that that is difficult because like we mentioned earlier, there's no blueprint for what you're doing. It's like, yeah. what are the markers of success? And yes, I am hitting them, you know, the tangible goals that I put together put down but am I doing it right is this the best way to do it and there's there's so many questions yeah. that can be forming and, and especially if you're someone who has the grit and the ambition and drive and you know you're never going to settle for just like you know one thing or two thing here and there like you're going to have this feeling and, and that's that I think that's also a marker of a great entrepreneur too who's someone who's always looking for the next best thing that's right. yeah yeah I totally believe that and to and to what you said about that being not only the challenging part that's hard but also the something that you really enjoy about it so Something like exactly. loving that that uh, gritty experience is definitely, I feel like, something that is a huge requirement <laughs> of the job. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jason, can you share with us what is next for Jubilee Media? Yeah, um, I'm super excited for like this next chapter of Jubilee, especially as we come out of 2020. We're working on our first feature-length documentary as Jubilee Media, wow. um, and hopefully that'll come out in early 2021, or you'll you'll hear news about that in the coming months. I'm hopeful. Actually, Mel, my Mel and I are working on our first podcast, actually, ah. uh, inspired by y'all. Yes. Um, that, and to that our should world. come out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I actually should be picking your brain a lot about that. We're, we're launching a podcast called Love Shot, um, hopefully, which should come out in the next couple of, probably the next couple of weeks, actually. Um, but in it, we're actually interviewing different couples about their love story. Mm. Um, so, Helen, we would love to have you and Phil on oh, at some point to, <laughs> to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, but we're just excited about that because that's something that we've been getting asked a lot of questions about, about our relationship. Mm. And we think, oh, you know what? One of the best ways for us to kind of share about that is actually to talk to other folks that we really respect mm. about their relationship and love and at different ages and different stages. And I think, you know, we all love or I certainly love love. Mm. So look for Love Shot. And then... Um, We've got a couple of other projects that are secret, actually, that are hopefully going to come out in 2021. But quietly in the cover of quarantine, we've been like tinkering away in the Jubilee lab. So we're really, really excited for what's to come. That's great. That's awesome. We're excited Very to excited see that. for you guys. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I wanted to add something really quickly because I know you're talking, Jason, you're sharing about like your um, like least favorite part of the job and I think I just do want to say, I, I, I say this to like Helen Janet a lot when I was working at Jubilee, but I would always share with them, like, you know, I do think, you know, being an entrepreneur is really hard, but I think you did an incredible job because you're probably one of the best bosses I've ever had in terms of your level-headedness to be able to lead a team. And like, I think I personally learned a lot from you. And I think as I was leaving Jubilee, I feel like you gave me really good, like sound advice. And I guess our last question for this um, interview with you is, you know, what advice would you give to anyone who is looking to either start or grow a media company? 
Oh, thank you for saying that first off. That, that means a lot to me. And, you know, we miss you and we're so proud of what you're doing here. So, man, as far as what advice I would give, I think what I've learned is that often our biggest limiting factor is often ourselves. Um, that we believe that we are not smart enough, resourced enough, networked enough, good enough to, to do what, you know, the ABG girls have done or what Jubilee Jason has done. And that's simply just not the truth. Um, what I've seen is that this next generation of folks are going to be better and stronger than all of us, which I'm really excited about. So what I would say is, um, first of all, it's never too late. It's never too late to begin that journey. Um, be patient with yourself and try the best you can to take little steps of courage. It doesn't always happen all at once where suddenly you've got this great vision or you're going to make the, the big quitting step that we all have done. A lot of times it takes little, little steps like going to the Union Square subway stop to raise money, right? To join your friends for a glass of wine and say, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just like did a, a fun recording? Little yeses often end up being big yeses. And um, I think that that means giving yourself the room to kind of dream and just say yes to yourself and yes to others and and just see kind of like what feels right and to follow that. So I just wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself or on other people. I would say, you know what, you're going to figure it out in your own way and, and that I believe in you. Little yeses. Yeah. I love that statement. Yeah. Little yeses and all of watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Jason. We know that many of our listeners can relate to your desire to do meaningful work, and they will find your story incredibly inspiring. Thank you for going into the details of how you got to where you are. Can you share with our listeners where they might find you online? Yes. Um, for Jubilee, you can just find us at Jubilee Media on all platforms, uh, everywhere from Instagram to YouTube to we're on TikTok now. Um, I know I just sound super old when I said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then me personally, you can just find me at Jason Wiley underscore. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been just so much fun. We really enjoyed having you on here, Jason. I, I feel like we, we talk to each other a lot in passing or, you know, at networking events and all these things. But it's so nice to just sit down and hear your story yeah. and, and really want to just like support you more in your growth and everything that yes, you're doing definitely. both personally and, and work-wise and everything. So thank you so thank much you. for sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Likewise. We have some partnerships that we are happy to share with you all, like Skillshare, Billy, Tempo, Function of Beauty, KiwiCo, and more. Look for links and codes summarized in our show notes. And for more partnership discounts, head to our website. And if you want to support us, here are some ways you can do so. You can follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating and review. And if you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend you think will enjoy it as well. If you'd like to support us through monthly donations to help keep this podcast running, you can do so at anchor.fm slash asianbostgirl.support or buy some of our merch at asianbostgirl.myshopify.com. We're also very active on social. Our handle is at asianbostgirl. If you resonate with our podcast, let us know in the comments of our IG post what golden nuggets stood out to you in this episode. You can also find us on YouTube where we've been answering your listener submitted questions on a show called Dear ABG. It comes out every Sunday, so make sure you tune in. It's basically like our second podcast, but now you can put a face to our voices. Also, we are doing shout outs at the end of each episode. So if your friend has a birthday coming up, just moved, got a promotion, started his or her new entrepreneur journey, whatever it is, and you know they listen to our podcast every Thursday, feel free to email shout outs, that's with an S, at asianbossgirl.com and we'll give them a shout out. Again, that's shout outs at asianbossgirl.com. Last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one.
Thanks again to Jason Y. Lee for joining us from Jubilee Media. And here at Asian Boss Girl, we'll catch you all on the next episode. Bye! Bye.